always locked on heat. Biscayne, South Beach. Goldberg and Ramil. Talking heat body chill. Got the stats in the news. Got the facts in the views. Never know what they gon' say. Mailbag on a Monday. Pat Rouse got the pack round. Coach Spoke got the know how. Three bands in the raps now. Heat Nation, that's a packed house. Heat talk at the game time. Heat talk every day. I'm always locked on heat. Got it locked on heat. Always locked on heat. Keep it locked on heat. Seat geek for the cheek. What's the day got the heat? Locked on heat hopes. West Goldberg and David Ramil. All right, let's do this. Welcome to Locked On Heat, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your daily Miami Heat podcast. My name is Wes Goldberg. I'm here as always with David Ramil. We're also joined today by the editor of AllYouCanHeat.com, Alana Tahauer. Alana, how are you doing? Great. It's good to be here. How are you? Fantastic. We're uh, a few games into the season here. Uh, there's a lot to dig into. I want to talk about your most uh, the, the player that you've been most impressed with, the player that we've been most disappointed with. But I thought we should start, though, with Jeff Van Gundy's tirade against the Miami Heat's decision to break up their broadcast crew of Eric Reed and Tony Fiorentino, longtime broadcast crew, right in the middle of the, the Heat's game against the Spurs on ESPN on Wednesday night. Jeff Van Gundy just launches into a tirade, a full-on tirade, about how he's just disappointed that the Heat are making this decision. Let's just play the clip really quick. Mike, i got to mention this. You told me coming in, and I'm still astounded by it, that they are breaking up the Miami Heat tandem of Eric Reed and Tony Fiorentino. They're moving on from that great duo that's been with this franchise. From the start, I, I can't believe it. Sometimes you try to change and you go backwards. I, I'm, I'm astounded that they're breaking these guys up. So what really stuck stuck out to me was towards the end, he goes, sometimes you try to go forward and you just go backwards. Do you think that it's a mistake for the Heat to, to be moving on from Tony Fiorentino? I wasn't actually aware, and I don't know if this is just me, but like I thought it was his decision to move well, on, like I thought he had something else going on, and now it kind of seems like it wasn't his decision. So I was sad to learn that. Yeah, David, I, well, at first, same thing, think, right? Yeah, when we first heard the announcement that they were moving on from the broadcast crew, I don't think we had seen any indication that this was coming from Tony. And I just did a quick search right now, but apparently, the Miami Herald's Barry Jackson wrote that the Heat organization wanted to make a move; they wanted to try something different, and so that's why. Tony Fiorentino is not being brought back for his 16th season. Okay, see, I totally missed that. I think I just saw the announcement on Tony's Twitter, and to me, like, I guess I might have just misread it, but I was like, oh, you know, he's moving on to something else. Like, I was sad about it, but now this makes me even more sad that it wasn't his decision. It sounds like he just spun it to where it's like, no, Tony's going to, he's retiring from this position, blah, 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 blah. Right. Right. Uh, So I thought it was funny. they wanted this season to be yeah. his Kobe farewell tour. Yeah, like this Basically. is re- that's the reason why he's here this season. They would have canned his he's ass gonna, last year. He's gonna put up. Uh, they, 
He's going to put up 60 Mount Vernon mentions in his final game. <laughs> yes! That would be great, yeah. He's from the a staple, though. Like, why, why aren't they about him anymore? They just want to go in a different direction? Is it, I think it's he Twitter clowning on him all the time. Because, you know, there's that meme of him kind of staring off at some <laughs> Yeah, but that's on the like one of the there. best memes out there. Well, sure. But, I mean... <laughs> You you don't want your broadcaster kind of sca- scanning chicks in the front row when he's supposed to be you know delivering analytics or is a, a, you know actual insight. Yeah, you a broadcaster kind of... that can do both. Why not? I mean, come on now. Yeah, I don't know. it does. It does feel like within the last two or three years, Eric Reed has had friend of the show. Eric Reed has had to pick up a lot of the slack on the broadcast, where yeah. he seems to be offering more analysis than Tony. Look, I'm a big fan of Tony Fiorentino. He's he's been the voice as long as I can remember, really. Uh, but he's really not that great of an analyst. Like at no point <laughs> I, does he really teach me anything. And I know that well, you know, the there's minutia, here, right? Maybe there's minutia and like like coaching little coach things that he brings out. Like there I don't was know, one like maybe time a good the, there was one there was one point in the preseason where yeah, exactly. Uh, I think Goran Dragic scored a layup with his right hand or something as opposed to his left, or he made a move that he doesn't typically make. And Tony actually said it was wow, that was. That's a really interesting move. I hadn't seen that before. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's true. Good on you, Tony. That was like <laughs> once in the preseason. It's like one out of every 10 to 15 games he might say something enlightening. I'm not here to just clown on Tony, but right. he is like, it might be time. No, see, he follows me on Twitter, so I can't say anything bad. This is just like all types of wrong. He well, follows you on Twitter? Yeah, I'm just like staying out of this obvious one. Reason. I think there's a pretty obvious reason why he follows you on Twitter. <laughs> it doesn't matter the reason. I'm just <laughs> no, going to take no. it happily. I mean, but that's I think that's part of re- the reason why he's not here. It's not going to be here next year is because he, he never answered our so- emails to come on the show. So most of you guys are just salty. I see it. Salty against Tony. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even know you emailed. You no, emailed I'm just kidding. Tony. We never emailed. Okay. Him. Never emailed. Him. <laughs> All right. We just brought on Eric. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, maybe we have to get Alana as a co-host, and then maybe. <laughs> oh, I would love to be a part of that one. Yeah, I'm sure he'll yeah. do it then. Yeah, but then you'll start talking about Pat Riley, and you know, next thing you know, everything is just going to fall apart. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think just I'm trying to think of like who's a good color analyst, and I'm not sure. I mean, Van. I don't mind Van Gundy. I know there are critics out there. I mean, even Reggie Miller has his critics. That oh, support. I hate Reggie, Reggie Miller. Awful. He's, He's terrible. Yeah. I mute it if he if I have no other choice. Like I yeah. can't listen to him. I, I mute Mark Jackson. I mute Reggie Miller. Weber? Um, Chris Weber is not that good either. Like no. at first I used to like Chris, his enthusiasm. Oh, yes. I love me from C Webb. Chris Weber used to be good. He's having a bad year. This is not this has not been a good year so far for Chris Weber. I think he I think he had to tone it down. It might have come off like a little extra or something, and then all of a sudden people were just like, Hey, you gotta kind of tone it down, and now it's just like he's delivering the most cliched witticisms ever. It's like, oh, you got to score if you want to win. It's like, thanks, See, really? I think yeah. I just don't take it seriously enough because, like, I'm not looking to like actually learn anything about the game. I'm just looking to laugh at this point. So maybe I'm just like looking at it from a different perspective. That's, like, the more extra you are, the better. Like, I would, I wouldn't mind if somebody was funny. By the way, should we? Jeff Van Gundy and Mike Breen, they were ragging on the Heat for breaking up their crew. Have you noticed that they broke out Mark Jackson from that booth? Yeah. They yeah. moved Doris, right? Isn't Doris Burke doing the, the, yep, the and, third? Yeah, and Mark Jackson's on the second game of the doubleheader. He was he was doing Wizards uh, Wizards um, Lakers after. Yeah, they're probably uh, so really that was good. convenient for the finals, I guess, or the playoffs maybe. But I, think, I don't know. I, I don't know how much NFL football you guys watch, but I'm sure you've heard of Tony Romo being in the broadcast booth. 
Yeah, and how he's just been unbelievable. I think he's ruining the analyst. Like, not ruining. He's making the. He's raising the bar for the color guy right now because he's like enlightening people about the game and like almost on every play, just telling somebody or pointing or, or pointing something out that people just don't really know or most people don't know. And I feel like he's really kind of raising the bar, but at the same time, just kind of like outing the guys that have been just basically been using cliches over and over on like recording for like the last two years. I wonder if some of it just has to do with like if you do it for too long, you kind of run out of stuff to say. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, it's not the game only... he used to coach, right? Like Tony used to coach, right, famously right. in Mount Vernon, and now this is just a different game of basketball. It's like how much. He doesn't know any of the players intimately that aren't playing for the Heat. He doesn't. I I think you're right, Alon. I just don't know how much he really can add to the game that he hasn't said already, or or really, frankly, how much he really knows about the game at this point. Yeah, and I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that he's bored by any means, but I just feel like once you've said it all, he's probably just like he just speaks whatever's on his mind, even if it doesn't like really pertain to the game, because he's not necessarily watching it on the same level probably that he used to be. Mm. Right. I wonder. Um, I wonder if it would. I don't. I don't want Kevin Garnett. He's actually been a pretty bad announcer, in my opinion, for TNT, and it's just always been really awkward. But we'll give him time. Uh, but I think what he has to say is sometimes interesting on TNT because he's played with so many of the guys that are still on the court. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting dynamic. If you replace Tony with somebody who was recently in the NBA, who has played with some of these guys, I think that could at least for until. The, because it takes a long time to get used to, to and do that color commentator role well. But while they're getting used to it and, and, and practicing, if they can at least kind of show up, tell us some things about the players and, and just kind of go into stories and experiences about just things that they know well about the players that are still in the league, that might be a good move. Because they should just get Chris Bosch to do it. That's that's what we've talked about for a long time. But I'm, I'm looking at this Barry Jackson article, and he brings up a couple of strong candidates, or at least in his opinion or the team's opinion. That's John Crotty, who's currently the color guy yeah. Yeah. on the radio play by, on the radio broadcast. And then he also brings up Lafonso Ellis, mm-hmm. who's a former Heat player, not necessarily somebody who's played with some of the guys that are currently in the league right now. But I guess his career isn't too in the too far in the rearview mirror where he can't offer some yeah. kind of introspective analysis as what it's like From to be the in the league. From the player's point of view, yeah, yeah, that might be interesting. John Crotty is, I think, the obvious candidate. Yeah, but like he'd be good maybe for a year, but like five years down the road, I feel like he would just be the same thing as Tony. And if you're <laughs> trying to do something different, go with the player, right? I would rather have a player. Yeah, I think we need to I go agree. out. Look, Mario Chalmers is great, and he could still play in the league. But go get Mario Chalmers. How hilarious would that be, though? I'd be all in. Let's go get Mario Chalmers. Um, I also wish there's... When you watch NBA League Pass, David, you've probably noticed this, too. When certain broadcast crews, when players are injured, they'll actually bring the injured players onto the broadcast for a couple weeks. I wish the Heat would do that more. Like, how come Hassan Whiteside has not been on the broadcast for the last three games? Probably because they don't want him to wild on air. Yeah, that's a a loose cannon there. I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't know if that's what the direction they want to go in. Yeah. Um, Certain players, certain injured players, maybe. But I think the Heat's, like, too uptight about things like that. Yeah. Like, they see the, the broadcast booth having this incredible level of integrity to it. That can't be disrupted by that kind of clownish behavior of bringing an injured player there. Or, you know, conversely, it's like the injured player belongs on the sideline next to Spolstra so he could see the game be part of the experience right. with his team 
and not you know distracted by by things like the broadcast booth. And, you know, the, the heat's a little uptight about things like this. So it sounds like we're not on the same page as Jeff and Gundy. We're sort of okay with them breaking up the crew. No, I'm not okay with. You're that. not okay. No, with you rather no? Never I love me some Tony. <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, you guys, you guys, you guys never saw Doctor Jack Ramsey. I right. imagine. No, yeah, that was that was the uh, he was there with the team originally, and he was there for a good long while. And he was even doing ESPN radio broadcasts until he passed away. Like I don't even know how long ago. I guess like four years ago, five years ago. Um, I mean, he he had a great chemistry with Tony. So that's the thing. And then they also had you remember Easy Ed Pickney? Ed Pickney, the uh, the former Heat player. He he was part of the broadcast booth for a little bit. And Mike Fratello, who you know now he does like Nets broadcasts. He yeah. was with with uh, yes. with uh, Eric for a little while. That was. It was good. I think they were solid there. I don't know why. Like Fratello left right after the 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 Shaquille O'Neal era ended, I think, or right as it began, and then they brought in Fiorentino, which was a strange move. So, three man crew, really quick, yeah or nay? Should we just avoid the three man booth? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's always awkward. I think Eric is just at a point where he wouldn't want to deal with it. I don't think he'd have the patience for it. Yeah, they're seeing that you were saying that thing that's going on with the Hornets, where Stephanie Reedy. Yeah. Have you heard about this? Where no. she she goes from sideline to booth, right? Well, no, not anymore. She was part of the three man booth, and and she was formerly a sideline reporter. Then she got brought into the three man booth. Yeah, and you're right, she was doing sideline reports as well. Now she's no longer in the booth at all. So it's just Del Curry, and, and I can't remember who the the play by play guy is. So there's this national campaign to bring Reedy back into the Hornets booth there. But she does sideline reporting. Still. She still does sideline okay. reporting, but it was a weird move. I wonder if. If maybe Miami's going to be looking forward, it doesn't strike me as that. But I wonder if they look forward and see if they can bring in a, a, a female analyst mm. or something like that. We haven't heard any female names, have we? No, we haven't. No. I wonder. I wonder if that'll be a, a demand for it. I mean, if they could bring Doris in, that would be great. But I imagine she would probably be in too, uh, too in high demand. I, I oh imagine. yeah, Doris. She could have like Monday Night Football at this point. If she yeah, Doris is like on a whole other level. <laughs> She's going to be doing the Olympics. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. That's, that would be really interesting. I know that there's um, – what's that? No, I don't know. That would be interesting. Well, but maybe wanna, they I could wanna... go out – maybe they could get Reedy, though. That's what I'm saying, though. If she's oh. happy in Charlotte, oh, maybe Miami kind of opens up and Coach says, Reedy. you know what, we'll try something different. Yeah, I'd be into that. I know there's a, a few people that do stuff for uh, 790 The Ticket. I wonder if they could get one of those girls. I don't know any of their names, but I just know that they're there. All right. Uh, introducing LockedOnHeat.com. That's right. The guys who bring you your favorite Miami Heat podcast now have a website to write about the team. We'll have news, commentary, analysis throughout the season. David and I uh, have been writing for a long time, and uh, we're beyond excited to bring you this site. It's LockedOnHeat.com. It's not as good as AllYouCanHeat.com, but it's pretty good. And uh, you should bookmark it, save it, whatever you got to do. LockedOnHeat.com. Also make sure that you check out AllYouCanHeat.com, the website that Alana is in charge of running. Um, all right, let's do uh, most impressive and most disappointing. We can start with the good news or the bad news. Alana, you're the guest. I'll let you decide. Um, I'll go with my most impressive. Okay. And I feel like Josh Richardson has like really blown my mind. Obviously, he didn't have the greatest game last night, but besides that, even throughout like preseason and the first few games, I just feel like he's on a completely another level now. Like him getting healthy, obviously helped in terms of like his physicality but in terms of like just his mental strength at this point he's so confident and i love it yeah did you see anything from that spurs game as to why he might not 
have had such a good game. I mean, I know he just struggled with his shot and he was contributing in other ways, but I, I, we, we talked about it yesterday in, in our post-game recap. We didn't see anything stand out. I don't know if anything may have stood out to you. No, I mean, I, I felt like he was getting frustrated a lot towards the end, obviously, with the calls, but even beforehand, there was a couple, like shots of him that they showed and he seemed to kind of be like either yelling at the other players or like just trying to get their attention so I feel like it might have been a communications problem last night interesting yeah I mean I'm right there with you I I don't have Josh Richardson as my most impressive just because I thought last night I I couldn't in good conscience make him a most impressive player after that performance but that's fair I think it was just a matter of hey your shot's not gonna fall every night that's fine the heat as a team are built in that way right they're just kind of there's no Steph Curry on this team. There's no guy that's just going to be able to train five three-pointers a game. There is, it's, there's a lot of hot hands, and hopefully, you know, between Josh Richardson, Tyler Johnson, Wayne Ellington, there's a lot of guys uh, who could just sort of get hot, and when they do, you just feed them the ball, and, and that becomes your go-to guy for the game. I just, I don't, it didn't feel like anybody really stepped up and was that guy um, for the Heat against the Spurs, but in general for the season... Josh Richardson's been extremely impressive. I actually wrote a thousand words on Josh Richardson's season so far, and then and it was going to publish today. But then um, <laughs> after that night, I couldn't. <laughs> Last night happened. Yeah. yeah, so we're going to push it until maybe after Saturday's game. Hopefully, he has a bounce back game against the Celtics this weekend. My most yeah, impressive but... guy was Goran Dragic. I'm surprised you didn't go there, Alana. But my guy was. You know, Goran I was Dragic. going to, but then I was like, "This is too predictable," so I switched it up. <laughs> so 19.8 points a game, four assists per game, so far through four games. Uh, he's shooting 46.7% from three-point range. He is, and this is dating back to the towards the end of last season, quietly become maybe Miami's best three-point shooter. I would even, I would say most consistent three-point shooter. Yeah, Wellington's sure. hit or miss sometimes. He yeah, has sure. become Miami's most consistent three-point shooter, and that has been going into last season. That was a question mark with Goran Dragic, because but prior to last season, his three-point percentages were basically up and down every year. Every every other year, he'd have a decent year from shooting beyond the arc. And I think he's going into a place now where he's really found that that stroke, and he's and he's consistent with it. I've been really impressed with him. He scored the fir- he scored on the first five shots of the game against the Spurs. Really kept Miami in the game for that first quarter. He is the guy where if the Heat needs somebody to step up, he is the most all-star-ish type player. Yeah, kind likely of likely candidate. Yeah, he is, he yeah, is the most likely I, candidate. I feel, I feel like what's really impressive, though, with him, too, is, like, it's pretty late in his career, and he's mm-hmm. still developing certain traits that, like, you know, most people work on you know, when they're way younger. And now, like, the three-point shooting, I mean, it's not like he's that old, but just considering, in comparison to the rest of the team, like, he's stepping up in a whole new way, and his game is still changing. Like, that's crazy he, to me. He never, yeah, he I, never tries to... I feel like he doesn't predetermine his moves. He's not like, I'm going to dunk it right here. There was a point early in the game where, speaking of Jeff Van Gundy, he 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 lost his mind because Goran Dragic had this weird uh, flat-footed, lefty, underhanded yeah. floater right under the rim, and it was just because that's what it took to get the shot off, and so he did it. And it's not... Yeah. Goran Dragic had no idea he was going to do that when he was starting the play. He just... Yeah, his basketball IQ is, like, just stupendously high at this point. Like, I feel like... That's just something that he also took to the next level. Yeah. His, I mean, he was always a good shooter, but I just feel like his playmaking has been incredible. Well, I mean, even Steve Nash, right? I mean, his his MVP seasons were later in his career, and and you know he he kind of stunk when he was with the Mavs originally, and then kind of picked up a little bit, and then you know there was the back and forth with the 
the Suns, but you know, he was a mentor for Dragic, and I think Dragic. What I'm starting to notice more is that he's just so comfortable with the pace that he plays in, you know, mm-hmm. which is why it was such a problem playing alongside Dwayne Wade is that he couldn't get into that pace. You know, with the ball in his hands and the ability to make decisions, he's just such an expert at, at saying, you know what, like you pointed out, Wes, like it's not predetermined. It's just playing slowly a little bit. Maybe like he's at 0.8 speed as everybody else is at 1.0. And he's just And he's as efficient. fast as them still. Yeah, it's just he, he he just takes that little point two off yeah. just so he can get the shot that he needs to, to fall in, and you know it's just the timing is perfect with him. And I mean, I think he's been great, and uh, he's he's always been such a good player, but he's certainly gotten better, I think, with age. He's a complete. He's a he's as complete a point guard as there is right now. Yeah. Um, just at how he's been playing through the first week and a half of the season, um, David. Who's been your most impressive player? You know, it's tough because I think even even Goran's had some moments there. I mean, I'd love to say Dion, but I think he's struggled. And and for me, it kind of fell back to James Johnson, uh, you know, a guy who I think has been really impressive as a playmaker. We saw flashes of that, and I think a lot of pundits around the country were worried about the contract and thinking maybe, you know, as he was fighting for that long-term deal, that maybe he might regress a little bit. But I think, if anything, he's been more efficient as a playmaker, and we've really seen him be very very comfortable like, like I feel you know, like, like people would... aren't very high on him still though like at least the people I've seen on Twitter and around the interwebs yeah. like they're just they're still doubting him it's yeah, kind of weird I mean, to me yeah we talked about that yesterday that, that people you know were claiming he had a really bad game one of our, 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 our you know Twitter followers said something about him having a terrible game that the contract really was a waste of money because he took all these shots at the end of the game in the fourth quarter when the, the you know the, the victory the was already time. assured yeah, yeah exactly and, and we didn't see that. He, he did struggle early on, but you know what? A lot of players did, and I, I don't think it necessarily falls on him. I mean, listen, he's got to shoot better from the perimeter, um, but when it comes to those two-point shots, maybe, you know, Wes, you said yesterday you didn't want him taking those mid-range shots, but he's really canning them at a high level. I think he's shooting, what is it, like, like 75% from two-point range. I mean, mm. at the dunks at the rim, the shots from the mid-range, those are falling at a high rate. Um, I just want that range to expand a little bit, and I think it'll come. But, you know, he's rebounding well, defending well, and, and certainly making plays he's for shooting, others. So. He's making, he, he's making six, 17% of his three-pointers this season. He's making .5 out of three per game right now. That's going to go back up, right? He is, for his Got career, to. has been around a 30% three-point shooter, if not better. That's going to go up. He's going to get better. Yeah. Um, so, and the other part about James Johnson, too, is he's playing center for in a lot of these games where the Heat kind of have to go small, especially with Whiteside not playing. All right, Alana, disappointing player. I'm going to get so much hate for this, but Dion just makes me nervous. Like, I don't know if it's a disappointment necessarily, but, like, he just doesn't look 100%, and I understand that he's going through his ankle injury still, but part of me is just, like, he should have just had the surgery because now I don't feel like we can really rely on him. Hmm. I, I'm not, I, I don't disagree. No, I don't disagree. Actually, I have him as my most disappointing player too, and that that hurts a lot to say. But um, you know, he, he just he doesn't look comfortable. I mean, he had a good game against the the Hawks, a bounce yeah, back just, game. He's, up, he's up and down, and I feel like that's almost worse than him. You know, going through the struggle and coming out strong. It's like one day he's fine, and then the next he just looks completely lost out there. And I, you know, it's a new rotation. There are new guys in the lineup. I get that, but like, I just feel like with something like his injury. It isn't one of those things where, like, it reaches a plateau and then you're good. It's like you either get the surgery and fix it or you're just going to have to, like, 
I guess, learn to manage the pain. And some days it's going to be worse than others. So I don't know. I I don't even think the injury is the issue, though. I mean, I think it's been no, I, I think it's been overstated. Maybe it's nagging. But he strikes me as the kind of guy who plays through injury like everybody, you know, like maybe unlike some players just because of that. That upbringing, you know, coming from Philadelphia and everything else, and the the, the tough guy confidence yeah. that's always to me. And I think Wes and I we talked about this a couple of days ago. He seems to lack confidence, which is something we never thought we'd say about Dion. Like his shot just doesn't seem confident at all when he hits the three pointer. He hit a, a corner three yesterday. It kind of felt like a relief, you know, like you could see, it, you know, shrugging it and the weight off his shoulders. And I don't know why. I mean, that's just he, he just doesn't seem like he has that kind of, you know, self-assured nature that we've seen from him in the past. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I just to me and I mean, I could be completely wrong, but to me, that just comes from the fact that, like, I, I assume it's because he knows he's not 100 percent. So he's going into every game being like, oh, well, you know, how much pain am I going to be in or like crap, I still have to go through this injury or whatever. Because I think what you're saying is totally true. He doesn't look as self-assured. And I know like his cockiness and confidence People clown him for it, but like that's what gets him going. And without that, it's going to be kind of a struggle for him. You know, I think there's a few different things. He's still struggling to finish at the rim, but that's something that dates back from last season. Uh, he started to get better at it towards the end of the season. I don't know if it's the injury. Like he was dealing with an injury at the start of last season, which really slowed him down. It seems like that might be something similar happening here. The Heat are holding him out of practices now. So the injury is not a non-issue. I think David and I have agreed on this. It might be somewhat overstated. If the, I wonder if he has to keep sitting out of practices if at some point the Heat will shut him down. And uh, I'd be interested to see what this team looks like. If he were to shut down, you move Josh Richardson to the two. You maybe get some more minutes for Justice Winslow at small forward or something like that. It would just, it would be interesting. But he hasn't, his averages haven't been horrible. He's still scoring 15 points a game. Uh, he's shooting over 30% from three-point range. He's still putting up three assists per game. His averages haven't been bad. It's just that, and David, you predicted that Dion might be the, the team's leading scorer this season. We we had that high expectations for him. And he just hasn't been the, the dominant Dion waiters that yeah. maybe we thought we'd see, at least for certain stretches. My most disappointing player has been Justice Winslow. And it's not necessarily because of Justice Winslow. It it might be just more because of the way he's being utilized. Mm -hmm. And I still think that might be something to do with Hassan Whiteside being out. When Whiteside was playing in that first game against Orlando, Justice Winslow was the backup point guard. He had the ball in his hands a lot more, and I was pretty impressed with what I saw out of him against the Magic in that first game. But then Whiteside uh, has been sidelined with this knee injury, and so Josh Richardson has really been the guy who has led the reserve unit. And Justice Winslow is playing more of a front court spot. I wonder if that's because they're missing their biggest front court player in Whiteside that they have to shuffle Winslow in there into that, into that front court rotation. But I'd be interested to see how the Heat use him when Whiteside does come back. And I hope that they put the ball in his hands more because he's just been standing in a corner this yeah. whole season. and. And guys are sacking off of him as they're going to do. And one way that you fix that is involve him in the play. And the best way to involve Winslow in the play is just to let him have the ball in his hands. Let him drive and kick because he's really good at it. And I'd like to see that more. So it's not necessarily because of Winslow that I'm disappointed in him. He is only averaging seven points a game on seven shots a game. So that's not a great average. I'd wonder how I, I, I'm interested to see how that improves when they get everybody back and healthy. And I want to see this coaching staff figure out a way to get Winslow involved a little bit more. I wrote about this last week that 
that that role that James Johnson is playing as point center, point forward, I think you need to start shuffling some of the that responsibility to Justice Winslow. I get that James Johnson's a better player right now, but your future is t- your future success. This team's ceiling is tied more to Justice Winslow than it is James Johnson. And so yeah, I'd they're like still to trying to figure out his role for yeah. sure. And it's it's a little bit of an awkward fit right now. And so I've been dis- I I was really excited going into the season with how they'd use Winslow, and I guess. I, that's why he's my most disappointing player because I've been disappointed in his role so far. Um, speaking of Justice Winslow, he told me before the season started that he thinks he has the best hair on the team. Josh Richardson maybe heard that and said, <laughs> you know what, I'm going to get rid of the braids and I'm going to do with the afro. So, Alana, you and I spoke on text message or Twitter or something like that about liking Josh Richardson's braids, but then he lost I the braids. I was a fan. I know. So what braids or afro? Do we like the afro? I like him and Winslow matching. I feel like that's like <laughs> the cutest thing ever. But I mean, I do miss the braids a little bit. I feel like he was rocking them. Yeah, no, I was not a fan of the braids. Yeah, I feel like no one was. No, no. Wes was a very, very outspoken <laughs> supporter of the braids. I liked it. Yeah, it was like us two against everyone else. I liked it. <laughs> I little, tried to, what did you call Little Uzi Richardson? Right? Little Uzi you... Rich. Yeah, I tried yeah. to get that going. That didn't work. But uh-huh. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was it was different. You don't really see it. I mean, Kawhi Leonard gets all this all this praise and credit for bringing the cornrows back. Why can't Josh Richardson bring the braids back into the NBA? I feel like the braids and street style is a thing that's that's been catching on for a little while. He's trying to bring When that were they the ever court. part of the NBA? I don't know. When, when are they coming back from? Because I can't really recall when they were. I mean, Allen Iverson kind of brought that whole street style, yeah. right? To the Yeah, but he also, he had the rose. I think it was, most people. It was Josh Richardson and Brandon Ingram for the Lakers. Brandon Ingram's got that big head of braids. And I I like it. I think it's different. And then he went with the afro. So now we get to call him Dr. J. Richardson, which I'm fine with. I read somewhere, though, that they're going to have the same hairdo the whole season. Like, whatever really? one does, the other is going to do. Yeah, they're just going to, like, be twins the whole year. Yeah. Ooh. yeah. That's ridiculous. Maybe yeah. they'll go with the corners. I love. Like, I'm so excited about this. I'm in. See, I, 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 I feel like a curmudgeon here, but I, they're planning hairstyles. They're grown men. I, I can't imagine ever <laughs> talking about friends of mine. That's part of the league. This is what makes the NBA, like, stand out. Uh, I got to disagree there. I'm not sure... <laughs> I'm not, yeah, not 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 matching your hairstyle to your boy on the team. No, I can't. I, I'm not going there. Sorry, I'm not gonna ever talk to my friend and be like, "Hey, how are you gonna design your hair?" And then let's go. Out <laughs> and do I, I agree with Alana. I think hairstyles are the best part of the NBA. Um, Get out of town. It's up there with <laughs> with just the dominance of the Warriors and watching that, and like the emergence of Giannis and just hairstyles. Those are like the three best things going on in the NBA right now. It used to be like what players wore into the <laughs> arena. Like they were clowning John Wall about his, uh, I think it was like his Gucci sweater the other day. Yeah. But I feel like hair is taken over. I I don't know. I, oh I just hope nobody goes the Odell Beckham route, you know? Oh, that would be great. <laughs> Maybe that's so. I feel like Alan Crabb did that. Didn't he? Alan yes. Crabb have that going for I think he still has it. Yeah. Does he? Okay. I think so. I don't know. I haven't really watched a whole lot of Brooklyn Nets this year. Um, but I'm ready for Kelly to move his bun from a low one to a high one. Like it really irks me that it's a low bun. Am I the only one on this? Like it, every game, I'm just like, put your bun on the top of your head. You should have the samurai bun. Yeah, I I feel like that would be way more like manly. I just don't know how much longer he's gonna be able to rock the hair. I know yeah, he's basically always had believe... it since college, but it is hot yeah. in South Florida. That's, um, that's another reason you move it to the top of your head. It's way more. See, I cannot believe that you said 
having a top knot would be like more manly. I don't understand. Like that, that long hair. Like the low messy bun in the back. That's that's no. the, that's 90s grunge. That's 90s grunge. That's what he when he when I see him, I see like shades of Seattle from the early to mid 90s. You, you see him and you're like, that's Kurt Cobain. No, yeah, something see, like that. I see him like as a surfer guy, so his hair needs to be on the top. Maybe I'll throw yeah. in some blonde highlights. I just got to contact him about this. Give him a, a Miami makeover. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to fly too well. <laughs> I'd like to see him just go mohawk or something crazy. Oh, God. We'll just go full oh, Birdman. Oh, the return of full the Birdman. Bird yeah, yeah, full Birdman. Yeah. Just get all tatted up. Be great. Because oh um, <laughs> uh, then we'll start hearing stories like that guy Robert Swift and how Miami culture, you know, changed him for the worst and things like that. And I don't know. I don't know if I want to. Th- I don't know if I necessarily want to. For the worst. All right. We're going to finish up here really quick. But a reminder, make sure you subscribe to the Locked on NBA channel, which brings you all 30 Locked on NBA podcasts into one easy to follow stream in your podcast app. Our recommendation, subscribe to Locked on Heat so you can get every episode automatically every day. Then subscribe to the Locked on NBA channel. So you could scout Miami's opponents and keep up with the most interesting storylines in the league. Also, be sure to check out the NFL side, like Locked On Dolphins, the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Alana, I'm going to clear out here for you. You're going to go ISO. I'm going to give you your little style corner here. Other than hairdos, what has stood out to you, either for the Heat or in the NBA in general, just style things, all style things? All style things, Ooh. or anything at all that just comes to mind. I know that you and I talked about leggings at some point. Leg, yeah, that's a good one. And I feel like it's beyond just the NBA, though. Like all these college guys are rocking leggings now, wow. and I'm like, I, I'm really feeling it. My team, I went to practice the other day. Like half of them were in leggings, and I was like, okay, this is like a thing now. Is it like, the white leggings? Blown. Some of them had white. Some of them were rocking gray because their practice uniforms are gray. But I was like, okay, like this is just but trending worldwide. Is this a LeBron it's not James? Just a fashion. It's not just a fashion thing, though. Like, some of them are uh, – they're, they're compression types, yes. first yeah. of all, right? So it's yeah. just like ha- eating blood flow out there. But some of them are padded. You know, like I saw I saw Dwayne Wade in the locker room, and, he, like, he's putting a, a suit of armor for crying yes. out loud. His, like, his he, leggings he, he, are, like, famously – like, he's got, like, like pillows on his knees, yeah. right? Yeah. He's got pads in the, in yeah. the leggings, pads in the shoulders. You know, he's I, all over the place. I wonder right? how much he's of it is LeBron too. James because LeBron, every time he's at the gym, he posts something to Instagram or Snapchat, yeah. and yep. he's he he does the black Nike leggings, no shirt. That's his gym outfit, and so yeah, I mean, that's, that's I, fine. All too. the retailers though have picked up on it because yeah. I was I was in a what was it like an outlet mall, and literally every store that carried anything athletic were just like the leggings were front and center. It was crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, I mean, the, the shirtless leggings look is what I wear when I go to the gym. And right. I'm not even a member, and that's why I got arrested. But that's a whole other story. <laughs> I went I went and did the leggings only because I like the compression part of it. So now I do them on – I wear them on Are leg day. white ones? I have uh, gray and black. Okay. But I probably should get Ready white. The, I feel like white's like the most out there one though. Like – Out there as in like bravest – yeah, okay. yeah, like it's definitely the most bold because I feel like you're just wearing like tights then, like a ballerina kind of. Like if you don't do it right, it can go wrong really easily. Well, I'll probably stick to wow. the black ones then. Uh, <laughs> anything else? Can't take that chance. No, I mean really, not. This isn't style, but the only thing that like has really blown my mind is just the amount of injuries. Like I don't, I don't ever remember a time when this many guys were getting injured so quickly into the well, season. Didn't we say that last year though? I, I I feel like we did say it last year. Who got hurt at the beginning of last year? I'm trying to remember. It was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, there the Heat were really banged up, but I mean, like across the league, there's just been like the craziest. And I don't know if it is the shortened preseason or like guys just aren't 
conditioning well over the summer anymore. But like, if this is how we're starting, I'm worried about how the longevity of the season is going to go. You know, it's funny because everybody talks about, you know, they they mock how players were in the 60s and, and earlier. And, you know, and it makes sense because, you know, obviously the fitness level was not at quite the same level. But it might be that that year-round training is what leads up to these injuries. I mean, yeah. Maybe there's something to be said for drinking beer and smoking cigarettes in the locker room. I don't know. Well, drinking beer should be okay. I find that I, I've not torn my MCL. I drink beer all the time. <laughs> you heard it here first. Beer is good. <laughs> beer is good. Beer keeps your Go ligaments you strong. Yeah. Um, I just want to give out a quick shout-out to Kelly Oubre. He played great. He's been playing great all season long. Oh, he's got I, the Odell. I'd like to back. see that your your love is going strong. He does. He has the hair, David. And yeah, my he love does. is still out there. I mean, I like that finally he's starting to get some of the respect out there. I've always seen this in Kelly Oubre. He's got a seven foot wingspan. He's a crazy good defender. I I wanted the Heat to draft him with the draft that they took Justice Winslow. Of course, that was before Winslow dropped. Justice Winslow was supposed to go top five, um, but I still pay attention to Oubre. He's my guy. All right. Anything else before we wrap this up, Alana? Do you want to plug anything? Um, the only thing that I can think of is to visit allyoucanheat.com. You've got a, you've got a podcast. I do have a podcast. It's being uh, we it's on been hiatus. on hiatus for a little okay. bit. Uh, so still working so through that. that. All right, life is tell everybody where they can follow you on Twitter if they don't already. You and you, can, you and Tony. Yeah, you can follow me, and Tony follows me uh, at Alana Tahauer. So it's T-A-C-H-A-U-E-R. All right. Well, that's all we have for today. Thank you for listening. You can send mailbag questions for next Monday to LockedOnHeat at gmail.com. Tweet your questions and comments for our recaps using the hashtag AskLOHeat. Make sure to subscribe to every show or subscribe to the show to get every podcast automatically every day. Then go to iTunes, rate us, review us, say nice things about us. Theme song is by CeeLo Keys. Outro music is courtesy of Mojave Wild. We'll catch you next time. 